feel like I need to give a disclaimer, and I was told that morning it was good. Um, I, I have bronchitis, so I'll be coughing. <laughs> just so you know. I just wanted to thank everybody who's been praying for me, though, because really I'm just realizing how much worse I could be feeling. Um, just I just feel fine other than coughing a lot and losing my breath and stuff. So hopefully that won't really happen. I have cough drops in my cheek as I talk. And because of that, everything's, it's going to be a little bit more condensed tonight. So bear with me in my little sickness. But hopefully we can close First Peter well tonight. How many of you guys have heard at least one sermon from this series? Was it about suffering? <laughs> yes. <laughs> suffering. Oh, thank you. Um, suffering is prevalent in First Peter because Peter was writing to people who were suffering for being Christians. They were considered outsiders, felt cast off in the community, um, really were struggling, probably in their faith, de- dealing with the fact that people were mocking them, um, eventually were persecuting them outright physically, and some were eventually killed. Peter himself experienced a lot of persecution in his life. Um, and with many of you maybe were here for the first ser- sermon on First Peter, he was actually crucified upside down because he did not want to be crucified the same way that our Lord was. But as we've been talking about persecution and talking about suffering as Christians, I just started wondering if some of you felt like me. I mean, sometimes I would sit through the sermons, especially the one, why it sucks to be a Christian and doesn't, or however he phrased it, Mike said that. And I sat there and there was just times where I remembered times where I felt left out or um, ridiculed for my faith, or even just introducing myself and saying I'm on staff here at Scum of the Earth Church, besides the fact that it's Scum of the Earth Church, um, that I'm a pastor, people give you kind of a weird look, and it's just uncomfortable. And, and I don't know, there's just times when it's a little bit hard to stand up for something that other people really just don't understand. And when I think about more persecution, I get nervous. Am I the only one? that feels uncomfortable. I don't think so. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. But I believe that in our passage today, as Peter is closing up this book and as he's talked about suffering so much, he gives us something to stand firm in as he finishes. As he ends the book, he gives the people some hope and encouragement. So let's just go right to the passage. First uh, Peter 5, 7-13. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And here we have the closing statements in verse 12. With the help of Silas, or Silvanus, some, some scriptures say, or some translations say Silvanus, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, referring to the church in Rome, 
chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark, or his disciple Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. That's the end of the book. I need a drink. (laughs) So let's go back to verse 7. We're going to go through this. And there's a lot of hope here. Really, there is. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, The traditional, or I don't even know what translation, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You guys heard that verse before? Over and over again, maybe in a campfire song or something. Um, <laughs> possibly too many times, but really, let's, let's look at it. It's good. I went to the Lions for Renewal conference this spring. Uh, and that's our church body that we are licensed under and ordained under, and they kind of guide us as we go about as a church. I was able to go to the conference for the preacher, the pastors um, within the conference, and one of the preachers or the speaker there tweaked this verse just a little bit. And really, it changed everything for me. Not tweaked it, not changed the meaning, but just changed the way he phrased it. He said, cast all your anxiety on him and let him care for you. Let him care for you. Do you let him care for you, he asked. Do you let God, do you let, this is what, I believe this is what he said, do you believe and let the God of the universe who has infinite resources in his hands, do you let him care for you? It stopped me. Infinite resources. Last spring, we were going through some pretty difficult financial times. Um, My husband started a business about a year and a half ago doing automotive repair. And it was tough on us financially. Um, We had to borrow a lot of money, and some of our family and friends gave us money, which we're really grateful for. Uh, but we had to pay it back as well. And on top of that, we had medical bills from our son's birth two years ago. Uh, and just, you know, day-to-day life stuff. Everything, life's expensive. Um, and there were some months where our income between my work here and his work at the shop was about $2,000 each month. And we were really struggling. Now, the crazy thing is we were doing okay. God gave us money in different ways. But I would look at our income from our jobs, and I'd freak out. And I would try to make our budget fit this income, and I was cutting away everything we could, and it was just not working. And I was nervous, and I was anxious. So when the speaker said, the God of the universe, who has infinite resources in his hands, cares for you, will you let him? I was floored because I wasn't letting him do anything, really. I just read a book called 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. It's really good, poetic writing. And she said, talked about her anxiety, and she said she curls her toes up and tightens her muscles, and everything in her is anxious. And she says, maybe my anxiety is a way of having some sense of control. And maybe a stress is just a way to not admit that I am not letting God do anything, but I am, I am trying to do things all by myself. In my anxiety, I was trying to control something that was so far out of my control. Our finances and money coming in. <coughs> and my husband, Tim, has amazing faith, and he was just trusting God 
that we were going to be okay. And he told me to trust God, and I was scared. But at that conference, I felt like God asked me, so how much do you think you need? And I was just like, okay, really? Adding it all up just to get us through a certain time. I was like, $5,000? Sounds like a lot. He said, okay. And for a moment, I was like, $7,000? No. $5,000. Started praying for $5,000 to come in. In order to pay off, you know, loans month after month after month, you know, just trying to get through some stuff that we've had. And I was stunned. So so this was April, mid-April. How much do you need? $5,000. And I felt peace. I felt like he heard me, and I felt like he wanted me to ask for that. And so the next month, May, I really trusted him more than I'd ever before. I just stopped asking him what was coming in and kept praying. At the beginning of June, Tim texted me that our entire income in May was $5,000.84. I've heard stories like that. <laughs> I didn't really believe they were, you know, I was, I've never had that happen before. Now, we haven't always gotten that month, much, every month. But honestly, we've, we've been okay. It's like there was something that God wanted me to just turn to him and say, I want to let you care for us. And he has provided. I mean, we haven't had that kind of low income again since then. It's been incredible. And when I came to this verse in the midst of this passage today, thinking about the struggling and the suffering that people experience as Christians with persecution, people around the world, if I can't trust God with my finances, if I can't have faith in God <coughs> and stand firm in faith with just that, how am I going to stand firm in faith and trust him if someone was holding a gun to my head asking me if I was a believer? How are we as Christians in America who are so used to our rights, if that goes away, how are we going to stand firm in our faith if we're not trusting God with the very basics of life? I don't think we will. We need to start trusting more, developing our faith more in all things. Because we have an adversary. We're not alone in this fight and struggle to, towards faith. Verse 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. If you remember that, it's been repeated like three times now in First Peter. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have an enemy, the devil. When I was growing up, he really didn't exist in my faith. Honestly, nobody talked about the devil as though he was real. And sometimes I'm still like, really? I, I get a little bit... <clears throat> I don't know what the word is. I just, I don't want to start seeing a, a demon under every rock. You know what I mean? But this verse is saying, we have an enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
The first thing recorded in scripture that the enemy did is he asked Eve, did God really say that? The devil is trying, desperately trying to tear apart our faith. He is called the accuser. Jesus called him the father of lies. So often we think of spiritual warfare as something that, you know, like a demon possessing someone, but it's not just that. There's, there is that, but more often it's, it's an abuse of Christians and just this hounding and, and devil prowling around like a lion, roaring lion, trying to devour us. Resist him, Peter says. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. <laughs> last fall, um, last November, I spoke about persecution of believers worldwide on um, the day of prayer for the persecuted church. Christians are being tortured, imprisoned, and killed for our faith. A friend of my friends from Turkey, his, his friends in particular, had heinous things done to them before they were killed. Knowing what they go through as they persevere in their faith in God, are we not encouraged to do the same? I mean, really, I feel so strengthened and encouraged just coming here knowing that we have a fellowship of believers here, that this is our family, and, and we can encourage one another and build each other up and stand firm together in faith. We have fellow brothers and sisters worldwide who are doing the same exact thing. We as a church need to continue on together. God created us for each other, and we need to encourage those else overseas um, in Afghanistan and Iraq and Egypt where they are currently being persecuted quite a bit. We need to encourage them if we can and be encouraged because we know that others are going through the same thing so we're not alone in this. I think the enemy says, you're alone. You're the only one who believes. You foolish, foolish person. No. You're not. And Really, I skipped over this. I don't know if you noticed. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith. What faith is it that we should be standing firm in? Is it just a hope that things might get better? Wishful thinking? The rose-colored glasses? No, it's, it's so much more. When we come to a wonderful promise in verse 10, Peter says, And the God of all grace, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, God will, God will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. We have been called to eternal glory in Christ. God has decided to give us eternal glory with Christ. 
In chapter 1, my favorite, I'm going back because this is my favorite passage, I think, in all of Scripture. Verse 3, it says, In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This is unbelievable that he would give us this. That he would give us so much. An inheritance that can't spoil, perish, or fade. Not like our finances, which when the stock market goes down, everything kind of crashes. It's eternal glory, a living hope. He has promised this. We have to keep this in mind. I don't think it's an accident that he describes the eternal glory in Christ right next to suffering for a little while. This is a little while. This life is not all that there is. We have eternal salvation in life to look forward to. This is just for a little while. I know that is hard to hear in the midst of difficulties. I don't think I would ever ever go up to somebody who's really struggling with a death or a loss or something and be like, this is just for a little while. Some people do that. Job's friends were quiet for three days. They should have stayed silent. (laughs) True. Suffering is true. Suffering is hard. We have an eternal hope in God. That we have to look forward to. And I think in our, our time on earth, I mean, we're so in such an instant gratification society. We've lost the ability to persevere, I think. We have painkillers, and I'm so grateful for those this week. I really am. <laughs> I'm not knocking them. I just think that sometimes we lose perspective of what long-term is. We distract ourselves with television, internet, video games. We don't know how to maintain hope for eternity when life is difficult now. So we don't, but we don't cling to life now. We're looking forward to a hope in the future. We don't want life just to be as it is. We want it to be better. And God has promised that at the end of time, that He will He'll restore everything. You know, it says here, he will restore you. God himself. I love the himself. God himself. Not going to send somebody else. He himself is going to restore you and make you, rest- make you strong. And this restoration doesn't just happen in heaven. And this strengthening doesn't just happen in heaven. But it happens in the midst of our sufferings now. When I go back to chapter 1 again, verses 8 and 9, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You are receiving the salvation of your souls. We will one day be restored to a point where there is no more pain or tears or sadness or grief or death or dying Until then, God promises to continue to strengthen us and restore us as we go and redeem the life that we have. (laughs) It's like, you know, muscles. If if anybody has done strength training of any kind, you know that you kind of tear apart your muscle as you build it up. It it 
gets worked and stressed and you let it rest and it's restored and it's stronger after that time. And in the same way, as we persevere in our sufferings, cling to the promises that God has given us, he strengthens and restores and heals us today. So we have an eternal hope that we must keep our eyes on and always focus on that. And we can trust that God is working in us today. He hasn't abandoned us here and now, but he wants us to continue on and give us the life that he wanted. Peter finally concluded in verse 12. He wrote this letter, he says, encouraging you and testifying you, testifying that this, I believe that this is the promise of salvation. Testifying that this is the true face, true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Stand fast in it. Stand firm in your faith, trusting the promises God has for us. We cast our anxieties on the Lord, trusting him to take care of us of our everyday needs so that if or when the persecution questioning comes, we are already right to practice in trusting him and can stand firm in the faith then. I don't know, do you guys know people who have done this well? Can you think of anybody? Do you ever have people who, who are such an inspiration to you, who have lived a life that maybe was full of suffering, maybe even experienced persecution as Christians, <coughs> but clung to the promises of God and kept through? My grandmother was this for me. She was my inspiration. When I was about eight, she was diagnosed with ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, also called Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, if you know it, it's, it's a disease that attacks the brain's ability to communicate with the body. And so eventually, the brain stops communicating to muscles to move. And so the muscles stop moving, and they're unable to they slowly regenerate, degenerate. Normally, people live about five years before their lungs collapse and they die. Um, my grandmother had it for 10 years, and she lost the function, functioning of most of her body about five years, six years in. Probably before that. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, the point is, she had so much joy in the Lord. She stayed with us for a while, living in our basement in a hospital bed, and my mom had to like change her and clothe her, bathe her and all this stuff. And, and she had so much joy, and eventually she had to go to a nursing home. But I remember she clung to a verse in 2 Corinthians 4.16. And it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And she clung to Jesus. Eventually, she had to go to a nursing home. And we'd go visit her there. I know she was lonely, I think. Um, but I remember, I remember a relative coming to me. And she's like, I don't know, third uncle's aunt something. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> she came to me. And she's like, Leah, I just saw your grandmother. She's like, I went to try. I went to thinking I was going to go encourage her. And she encouraged me. That kind of faith 
she would I know that she she just lived in the moment. She I know she rejoiced in her grandkids and us. She loved us so much. And she also talked about heaven all the time. She couldn't wait to go to heaven. She was always looking for the time when she would no longer be in that body anymore that was no longer working. She died on February 29th, 2000. It's leap day. And we always say she was leaping into heaven, finally able to move again. What about you? Do you know people who are standing in the faith? It would anybody want to share a story? This is very impromptu. Morning church is more used to this than night. <laughs> Please come on up if you want to. I'm serious. Or from your seat, it's fine. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we had Fran <coughs> Blomberg on staff. She talked about a guy that she knew in Sierra Leone who was being physically persecuted. People were attacking his house because he was a pastor in Sierra Leone. And he stayed there until he knew that his church was fine before he took exile in the U.S. Can you imagine? I want us to have faith like that. I want us to be able to trust God in anything, standing firm in our faith. I'm going to pray for us for that. And after the service, we are going to have prayer over in our prayer cave. (coughs) Please seek prayer if this is a point for you. And if you have anything that you need to trust God with, anything that's suffering, anything that's struggle, please go on over and ask for prayer. Larry, who is just up here, Larry Pombianco, um, fall guy. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) I can't laugh. I cough. Larry wants to pray for anybody who needs physical healing tonight. I might be back there. (coughs) (coughs) But really, seriously, if you need prayer, go on back there. We have people who who will be willing to pray for you and love to pray for you. We take prayer very seriously here at SCUM. It's, It's a good thing. It connects us to God. Let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that that you are good and that you love us so much, that you care for us so much. I pray that we'd be able to, to stand firm in you, that we would know that you do care about us and you care for us, and that we turn to trust you in that so that our faith would grow. Please teach us how to turn to you more. Please teach us how to to be diligent in seeking you and trusting you. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would relax, relax in our anxiety and open up our hands for you to take the things that we're clinging to and trying to control. And Lord, I pray that when we are in interactions with people who don't believe in you and who might mock us for being weak, having a crutch, for believing in something ridiculous that's not real, Lord. 
I pray that we would stand firm in your word, resist those lies, and come out stronger than we were when we heard them in the first place. To God, be all the glory and power forever and ever. Amen.